The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 7. And as you might expect, tonight is a really big show. As we are able to break down the whole Bears coaching and general manager situation. You know, I was going to call it a mess, but I guess at this point it's somewhat positive. Uh, But you are at the best place if you like cigars as well as Chicago sports, because we'll be talking about both. Going to set the scene, as I always do. We're here at The Place. The Place is a cigar lounge at 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. We're sitting here smoking some cigars. We're going to talk some sports. We're also going to talk some cigars with Trey Mack tonight. You might remember Trey from a few episodes ago from Aladino Cigars, and he's got some really good information. We're going to talk about what attracts certain kinds of people to certain cigars. I think that'll be really, really interesting. Trey's going to stick with us, and we're going to talk more about the NFL openings. We'll talk about last night's national championship game. We've got a bunch of interesting stuff for you. Make sure that you are following us on Twitter. So if you are listening right now, take out your phone, go to Twitter, follow us at Cigars and Sports. That's on Twitter, at Cigars and Sports. Make sure that you are following us. So, Phil, how are you doing tonight? What's going on? Phil's doing awesome. It's uh, a great day here in Chicagoland. Third person. Refers to himself as Phil. Yes, which (laughs) a great day here in Chicago, following the even greater day yesterday, which we will discuss in depth, I'm sure, during this show. What are you uh, you smoking tonight? Today I'm back to my go-to. I got my uh, Fuente Hemingway line, Fuente Classic, one of my uh, favorite cigars, until my good new buddy Trey comes up with my real favorite cigar, and he can find me some between the lines, which I'm sure Trey's got a nice smile there. He certainly knows where I'm going with that. So it seems to be a cigar that's a little hard to find, but hopefully we'll dig some of those up on one of these shows. Yeah, I think we ordered some stuff from him, so we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the cigar segment. I am smoking a Griffin's Perfecto. I'm usually smoking some sort of Perfecto shaped here at the place, 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove. You know, I think it's appropriate, though, before we get into the Bears, I'd like to give an extensive Major League Baseball update first, so let me cover that. Here is your Cigars and Sports Chicago Major League Baseball update. Okay, that's all that's going on in baseball. We're all done with that. We can go right to the Bears. And as you know, Phil, I was going to talk about the uh, bizarre story of the week, but I just think we have too much to talk about. Let's talk about the Bears. So the Bears fired both the coach... Matt Nagy, which I think was expected, as well as the general manager, Ryan Pace. Both of those were, first of all, I think we got to give them credit where credit is due. Good decision. Nagy, I think, was expected. Pace was probably less expected. I believe that we all knew that he should go, but I don't believe that we thought he was going to go. So we did that. So that was the good news yesterday. But then we had the George McCaskey, the chairman, we had the George McCaskey press conference in which he started out on a bad note in which he was 
somehow went on this rant about the mean high school kids who were mean to Matt Nagy's kids at the football game when they were chanting fire Nagy, something you may have heard in the beginning of the show, said that Ted Phillips, the president, was no longer part of the football operations and that the new general manager would report directly to him. But then he proceeded to say that Ted Phillips was on the call and would be happy to answer any questions. Why that made sense, I have absolutely no idea. He also said that Ted was going to be part of the hiring process. He then said some other great stuff during the press conference that you know he doesn't know anything about football, even though he's been in the football business for 77 years, and that he's basically a fan, but the football operation reports to him. He called one of the most favorite former players um, in Bears modern history, Olin Krutz, a liar. So it was not a good outing for George McCaskey, before we get into the detail of the coaching situation and maybe what comes next, what did you think about the press conference and what McCaskey had to say? Well, I think you you touched on a lot of the stuff that was just totally bizarre. For a guy that's been in football his entire life, he's had no other job, it was totally bizarre. When he made that statement that he doesn't know anything about football, that he's just a fan, it's crazy. They stopped one short in the firing squad there, and I think Ted Phillips, his trusted aide, since 1999, should have been launched along with the other two guys. As Ted Phillips has produced three playoff wins in 22 years, which is just a joke. You know, the McCaskies being in charge, my opinion of success moving forward is the same as me going down the street and buying a winning lotto ticket. Will they get it right? They may. If they do, it's pure luck because I think they've proven they've got no acumen of how to run a modern NFL franchise. I hear you on the Ted Phillips thing. I would be fine if they wanted to keep him around only in the business operations, if they want him to work on the new stadium. I mean, for all we, you know, maybe he's great at that kind of stuff. But why say, make the right decision and say he's not going to be involved in the football operation, and then two minutes later say that he's on the hiring committee for the new coach and the new general manager and he's going to negotiate their contracts? It just doesn't make any sense why he would do that except but except you know we're not going to make any sense we're talking about the mccaskey right so, it, it, so it, it makes, makes 100 sense. sense i mean right. they, they basically got four right. people they said on the selection committee the guy that said in the press conference that owns the team that he doesn't know anything about football the guy that's had an unsuccessful <laughs> track record for 22 years the guy that is basically the equipment manager and a woman that's headed their diversity and equity division those are the people that they put in charge to pick their future. It's just you couldn't get any more bizarre than that. Well, you also missed Bill Polian, the 80-year-old Hall of Famer, who has not been in an NFL organization in 10 years. And McCaskey also kept quoting his book during the press conference like we were supposed to be surprised. I mean... Okay, great. The guy wrote a book. Well, you know what? I wrote a book too, not that anyone's read it. And I understand the guy's a Hall of Famer, but... He's an old dude, and he's been out of it for a while, and you know that basically what they're saying is is that whatever he says, whoever he recommends that they hire, that's who they're going to end up hiring. And I don't like the fact that he's just a consultant because he doesn't have any skin in the game. He's going to help them out. He's going to get paid, and then he goes on his way. He's not getting fired. Like He doesn't have skin in the game, so I don't like that at all. So they're hiring a coach and a general manager. And it's a little bit more difficult to talk about the general manager candidates because most of them we don't know as well. But let's talk about the people 
who they have at least requested permission to talk to and who you like. So I'm going to run through the list and then you tell me what your thoughts are and who you want. First of all, number one, Bucks defensive coordinator Todd Bowles, obviously former head coach of the Jets. He's also been uh, the Bucks defensive coordinator the last couple of years. He's run a great defense, won a Super Bowl last year. I am a fan of Bowles. We'll come back to that. Brian Dayball, the Bills offensive coordinator, his claim to fame is he developed Josh Allen, who obviously is a very successful quarterback and has become a lot better since he's been in, in the league. You know, he gets some credit for that. Then we have the great Matt Eberfluss, who is the Colts defensive coordinator. And by the way, we'll get into this when we talk more generally about the NFL later, but the Colts have been the greatest disappointment in modern history to me. I was getting so fired up about them, watching that hard knocks thing every week. I love the guys on that defense. I love that team. Then all of a sudden, all you got to do is win one of the last two games, and they can't win, and they can't beat Jacksonville in the last week of the season. So, all right, but we got that guy out there. These are guys, again, who are all in consideration that they've asked permission to talk to. Then we got Brian Flores, who yesterday morning when he woke up, he was the head coach of the Dolphins. You know, we'll come back to him. Leslie Frazier, the Bills defensive coordinator. And, you know, I know you'll have an opinion on him. Nathaniel Hackett, who is the Packers offensive coordinator. Keep in mind that they, he's one of those offensive coordinators similar to Matt Nagy, meaning LaFleur calls the plays. So it's hard to say what that guy actually does. Then, speaking of which, we have Byron Lefwich, who is the Bucks offensive coordinator and is also not a play caller, but was an excellent college quarterback at Marshall and was a seventh overall pick with Jacksonville. He was sort of a career backup in the NFL and, by all accounts, is a really great guy, really bright, and, and a really good coach. You know, I don't know if you want him. Then we have Doug Peterson, the guy who won the Super Bowl three years ago with Nick. Foles uh, with the Eagles and then got fired. By the way, if Peterson becomes the head coach, maybe he could hire his best friend Matt Nagy as the offensive coordinator. Just kidding. Then we got Dan Quinn, the Cowboys offensive coordinator, also former coach of the Falcons. So those are the people who, who permission has been asked to speak to them. And there is obviously one guy who is not on the list because there is no evidence that they have spoken to him, who is Jim Harbaugh, who would certainly, I think, be a favorite locally. So you can sort of add him to his list if you want. Phil, who would be your maybe top couple of candidates for well, this job? Well, you know, before I get into the specific candidates, I wanted to go on about who I think is best category-wise. And I would like to see an offensive coordinator. It's an offensive league, as I've said in the past, and the Bears have a quarterback now that they are certainly banking their next three, four-year future on at a minimal, and you need a, a guy that can lead this young man into his future, and I think an offensive guy needs that. The defensive side of the ball, they can hire that. The problem with a defensive guy, you bring a defensive guy in as your head coach, he then has to hire an offensive coordinator. If this offensive coordinator then happens to turn our quarterback, if he takes Justin Fields and makes him everything he's supposed to be and then some, it wouldn't take more than a year or two where people are going to want that guy to be their head coach. So I think he may end up shuffling offensive coordinators, which is the position coach that you need the most in the NFL right now. As far as who I'd like to see there, you know, I don't want to see another guy like we just let go of, the guy that had all the cute sayings and the club dub and the guy that celebrated wins over shit teams when he had a shit program, the guy that's friends with all the players. You know, I'm old school myself, 
and I think some coaches that could be a little more tough and a little more old school. And I think Jim Harbaugh fits a lot of those bills, not just because he's an ex-bear. I think he could do a lot of good. That's just that's just my pick on that. I have Flores, I like Flores a lot. One of the things people don't realize, I think he was, how long was he in Miami? Steve, three years, four years? How long was he there? He was in Miami for three years, but he was actually in the Patriots organization for four Super Okay, but Bowls. back to what I said, when he was with Miami, I think he went through four offensive coordinators. So, you know, he went he through did. a lot of offensive coordinators. That would That's not going to help a quarterback, you know, that you're trying to get into the league and trying to make him, you know, big time and get your offense rolling. Once again, in a heavily dominated offensive league. The defenses of the past, the old Bears defenses, that's that's gone. You you got to build an offense. I like Flores a lot, and if he could get the right offensive coordinator, and if he could maybe get a veteran guy, you know, it's interesting. His first year in Miami, his offensive coordinator was Chan Gailey, and and if you remember Chan Gailey, he's one of those sort of older guys who had been a head coach in the NFL, been a head coach in college. Offensive guy was not interested in a head coaching job, and it, it actually did not work out with him. But if we could find a guy who was a veteran offensive guy, and there's more of those kind of guys out there who are defensive-minded you know, as coordinators, then I would really like Flores. I mean, the guy won eight of his last nine games. If you take a look at that team that he originally took over in 2019, it had, you know, Pro Football Focus said it was the worst. It was the worst talent team ever fielded. I mean, they were basically trying to lose, and he won five games with that thing. I mean, I really, really like Flores. I mean, he's a you know he's a Belichick protege, which hasn't always worked out very well, but it seems to have worked out pretty well with him. But I do hear you on the offensive thing, and frankly, the problem is is that all these other sort of top offensive guys, except for maybe Brian Dayball, who I just don't know whether to get excited about him or not. I love Byron Lefwich. But I just don't know how he is as a play caller, and I don't know how he is as a developer of quarterbacks. And same thing with Nathaniel Hackett. I just don't know. Plus, it's not that hard to be the, you know, it's kind of like, how hard is it to be the offensive coordinator when you have Aaron Rodgers? And, and you know, speaking of Leftwich, how hard is it to be the offensive coordinator when, you know, you've got Tom Brady? So I, I don't know. The other thing that I don't like about this whole deal is the fact that they are interviewing coaches and we're hearing less about the general manager candidates because if we hire the right general manager, I'll tell you who I want. I want the coach that the general manager wants. So I don't know why they're interviewing, you know, coaches without the general manager in place. You know, unless they're going to hire Jim Harbaugh, I'm not particularly thrilled, you know, about that. We are now happy to bring in our special guest. We've had him before, Trey Mack with Aladino Cigars. Trey, how you doing tonight? Good. Uh, thanks for having me back, fellas. Pleasure. How you doing, Trey? That's great. We are very happy to have you, and we're going to talk a little cigars and personal preferences with you tonight, and uh, you know, very interested to, to get your input on that subject. But before we do that, and we're going to come back to the NFL, and you're going to stick with us after we talk about cigars, who do you like as the Bears' next coach? Man, that's tough because, I mean, when you think of Bears football, I mean, you think of a mentality more than anything. And in today's NFL, doesn't really fit that mentality. If you're looking at a guy that's going to work and develop a quarterback and connect with players, I do like Leftwich in that situation. I do. Now, Leftwich is a head coach overall. I mean, basically, we don't yeah, know. nobody has any idea. 
I, I got to be honest, the Bears are in a situation they can't really – they've taken enough shots in the dark, in my opinion, uh, and they, they can't do it again. You can't have another Tressman situation, you know what I mean? Um, and the Harbaugh yeah, thing, I get I it. I, I, it's a heartwarming story. Harbaugh, he fits. Like, it would be exciting. I would actually like that. Again, I'm not sure that's the right decision either. It's kind of a cluster. I would actually like to see Eric Bieniemy there because I think he kind of balances both worlds, and I think he's due a head coaching position too. Hell no. no. Do not want Eric Bieniemy. I love Eric Bieniemy. He would be the second, the second coming of Matt Nagy. He doesn't call plays. All we know about him is is he's some dude that stands there with his with his play card directly next to Andy Reid. We have no idea what he's actually okay. doing. Uh, no. Which is, I think is a no great – okay, I think you bring up a really good point. Do you want a head coach that calls plays? Well, no, but want I want a head coach – No, but I want to know that the guy, at least if his job was an offensive coordinator, that he was a play caller when he was that he succeeded in that job. Because if not, I'm not sure what he does in his current job. If that makes sense, I mean Doug Peterson. I mean the guy won a Super Bowl. He's out there. So how bad could he? No, I don't think you want Peterson because, and that's why I like Bieniemy because he's not like the rest of the Andy Reid tree. So to speak, he's a little he's a little different. In fact, there's a lot of like Kansas Cityans when he became the new OC. We were like, he's a good running back coach, but I don't want him messing with the offense. And him, his kind of hands off approach kind of worked. And I like that as a head coach. If you know, as long as you're willing to delegate and get the right people in position, and that's where the CEO position comes into play. And that's what we don't know about any of these guys. Do they know? Right, I agree. Do they understand what they don't know, and can they hire the right people to do those things? That's the hard. Well, part. one thing that one thing that we know that Andy Reid has mentored Bieniemy really well with clearly is eating. <laughs> because if you take a look at Eric Bieniemy when he was in the NFL, he has to weigh at least three times what he weighed. It's then. the barbecue, bro. It's the barbecue. It, it may be. I mean, the guy. I mean, and, and by the way, uh, Andy Reid. If you've heard any of these stories about him, he's famous for you go to a restaurant and he can't decide what he wants on the menu, so he'll literally order three entrees and eat them all. Everything. But anyway, all right. So let's talk about cigars. You know, we'll come back to the NFL in a minute. So one of the things I'm curious about is personal preferences and and cigars. And what trends do you see and, you know, what do different people smoke? So I guess maybe first of all, you know, is there a difference or any trend regionally? And then we'll talk about some other stuff. But do you see any any specific trends regionally? And maybe put it into context in terms of the markets that you operate in and what you see and what you hear and see other parts of the country. Yeah, so I mean, I'm from Kansas, the middle of everything. I mean, if you want the average baseline of the world – just go to Kansas, we're as average as it gets. Lived all over the West, West Coast, so I've understood that cigar culture as well. And then I move out out here to the, the Great Lakes region, if you will. And it's been interesting to see that, yeah, regionally things are so different. The West Coast was different than the Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas area. Now I move out here, and yeah, the Great Lakes are totally different too as far as uh, even just Vitolas. People smoke different Vitolas, or whether it's, you know, last time I was on, we talked about women in cigars. Certain regions, women smoke way more than in other regions. Like it's non-existent. Give us an example of that of women in cigars, or yes. Um, yeah. So, Florida, a lot of women smoke, right? And it's that's mainly because you go to the lounge um, to pregame before you go out dancing or whatever. So, you, 
there's a lot of like places, especially you go down to Ybor City. Uh, it's like it's like where you go before you go on your date. Everybody goes, they have a little drink, a little smoke, and then the couples go off. Where I'm at in Kentucky right now, when I get to southern the southern areas or even um, eastern Kentucky that borders West Virginia, tons of women smoke, uh, and it's not uncommon for women or women to join their husbands at the lounge. It's a total normal thing. That's not at all what I'm used to, like out west at all. Totally different vibe. So yeah, if you're talking women and cigars, yeah, it's totally regional and it's super interesting to watch that take place. I don't exactly know what fosters it. It's just been something I've I've seen. I don't know how it comes about. Sounds like you might be talking uh, more red state, more women and cigars. What what other what other sort of regional trends do you see? So the one thing that I was I've, I've actually had several talks uh, just in the recent past uh, about like how to change products for us. The Great Lakes region is into two things. They want big ring gauges and Maduros in big ring gauges. And that's just something I've seen across the board, whether that's Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago. That's just the way it is. And if you don't have that offering, well, they're more willing to try the rest of your product if you have that up front. That's the first thing those people are going to try. And that's super interesting to me because it's not that way everywhere. And the whole large ring gauge thing was a big, I mean, that was like a 15-year phase, and it's been going down everywhere else. The big ring gauges are coming down like nationwide, but not in the Great Lakes region. It is like part of the culture. I don't quite understand it, to be honest. And you guys, maybe you can fill me in on why that is. Um, I always go back to you, the people that um, own and manage cigar stores. The guy that's going to go in the humidor and talk to you, that's the guy that's going to set the tone. Um, and, but I don't know, I don't really understand the Detroit, Chicago, Pittsburgh, um, regions idea on big ring gauges and Maduro's, but that's definitely a hundred percent the way it is. To me, you're giving an unscientific sort of anecdotal answer. I think it's just about maybe you got a lot of guys around here that think they're the manly men. So, you know, you've got to smoke some giant, huge ring gauge, dark, you know, cigar. And then, you know, there's people like me who are not, you know, not afraid to find their, their you know, their middle they're ground. Dain- they're dainty will, side. smoke mild. <laughs> they're dainty. Yes, they're dainty right. side. and smoke milder cigars interesting shapes i i personally go for shorter because i also find out you know ring gauge i'm fine with but i just find that that bigger cigars tend to get rattier after you know a period Mm -hmm. of time which is why i typically uh you know go for uh you know for shorter cigars but it's like a lot of other other things it's it's about a personal preference what do you find you know what other trends do you see one of the interesting things about cigars and Phil and I talk about this all the time, just, you know, over at the cigar lounges and, and you see this anywhere you go. One of the cool thing about cigar lounges is there's always a mix of people. You know, you've got the billionaire over here and you got the private equity guy. Then you've got, you know, the, you got the plumber and you've got, you know, the, uh, the, the Amazon driver and you got, you just have all, you know, we have the, we have our uh, TSA guy over at our place. You just always have a total mix of people. Have you recognized any trends that maybe certain kinds of people from certain backgrounds tend to smoke? That's tough. Um, I actually, I was in grad school in Arizona at one point in time in sociology, and my thesis was actually on tribalism, and I was studying cigar lounges, and I was just going all over the country studying lounges, 
for this very thing because it brings people from all aspects of the world into one common area. And I think what makes it super interesting is that it's not just a common area. We all have something in common. But when you're smoking a cigar, you actually sit down and talk. Like it's one of the few places left where people sit down and talk. So you actually build relationships with people you never would have before. And I think it's beautiful, but at the same time, like super confusing. Like how in the heck does this happen? But it does everywhere you go. That's one constant throughout the entire industry. And I honestly, at the end of the day, I think it's because we have something in common. And this one thing in common makes us sit down and talk to each other. Um, Whether that's, you know, Joe blow off the street that bought a $3 cigar or, um, you know, had dinner with billionaires that invited me to a party. And, and yet there's the guy over there smoking a $3 cigar and we're all talking like it, it's, it's, that's wonderful. It's beautiful. Well, yeah, we find the exact same thing. I've always compared it, uh, that, that I liked about it. I've always compared it to, um, I call it my eating pie theory and eating pie is not fast food. You don't eat pie fast. You take the time to sit down and eat a piece of pie. So cigars are the same th- same thing. You got to put an hour aside and you got to sit down. You have no idea who's going to walk in the room behind you or who's already sitting there and you're forced to engage them. And I've made some wonderful friends and like Steve says from every walk of life, from every monetary level you can imagine. And everybody treats everybody the same no matter what cigar lounge I've walked in around the country. It's the same thing and that's what I like about it. I love it. We've met a few weirdos as well. A few yes, guys who seem to spend un- unusual amounts of time in the bathroom. Uh, you know, guys with other very strange habits. Uh, yeah, we've you know definitely you find all walks of life um, at the cigar lounge, and it is funny because my experience has been, you know, and I was I was telling this story the other day. No matter where you go, it's it's the same but totally different. You know, I went to this place in D.C. like three weeks ago. And, you know, I was sitting over there and you just, you know, had this one guy who just got out of the military. Then there was this other guy who was 97 years old who was talking. I mean, like, there's all these different yeah. people talking about different things. Oh, and then somebody else who was a, a, a woman, she was like talking about, it was just the <laughs> most amazing thing. And we were all just talking about stuff. And then as we got to know each other better, we were arguing with each other, yeah. which is great, you know, like in a good way. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that so uh what else what else you got what's selling and how do people get in touch with you uh trey at aladino cigar if they want to get in touch with you the easiest way there's two ways um the older generation loves facebook trey mac shipley that's my name on facebook hit me up there um and then trey mac aladino cigars on uh on instagram uh the younger generation hits me up on there all the time so uh those are the two easiest ways to get a hold of me let's take a look real quick at the coaching openings in the NFL, and by the way, in the last hour, there's a new one, which is the New York Giants, who now, uh, Joe Judge, that great guy, he got fired. So we got the Giants, and then we've got we got Jacksonville, we've got the Raiders. Let's, let's not count the Raiders, because I think it's unknown what's going to happen with the Raiders. If they win a playoff game, it's going to be very difficult to get rid of the, uh, to get rid of the interim guy. Um, then we got the Dolphins. And we got the Broncos, and we've got Minnesota, and then the Bears. So let's just say that you're the hot candidate. Let's say that you are 
Jim Harbaugh and you're interested in going to the NFL, and I think there would be a lot of interest in Jim Harbaugh in the NFL. Doesn't really matter. Let's just say you're the you're the head, you're the lead guy, and you have you know the opportunity to go to any of those jobs. Which job would you rank as the most attractive job? Number one, I'm, what do you think first, Trey? I'm holding out to see what happens in Seattle. That, that's yeah, but that one. job's not open right now. So no, that, you're now going think, off the reservation. But I think it's going to be open. So if I'm the guy, I agree. Because at the end of the day, usually every year I'm like, it's easy to pick the best destination. This year, man, all of these openings have major warts. Um, and it's not necessarily player-driven warts. It's front office situations. And I... Man, I, yeah. I would have like I like the Dolphin situation, but I really love Brian Flores. I love Flores. I think he's a great coach. But the fact that there was a front office situation, Ross, yeah, that that tells me like, oof, that looked like a great situation, a great coach, and I don't want anything to do with it because it was obviously a front office situation. Um, you go down the list. I mean, Jacksonville, okay. Um, Shad Khan, Khan's gonna, he's got all the money in the world. That's a good situation. You've got Trevor Lawrence and some other young players to build off of, but who's in the middle? So Donkey. so I I think, though, that's the most attractive job. I, I think it should to, be. As far as I'm concerned, you have, a, you have an owner that is committed to winning. You have a market with a small fan base, so they're not going to run you out of town as quickly. I do believe that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a franchise quarterback. I mean, that offense was a disaster this year, and that's fine. I mean, that's yeah. how it is. Yeah. Plus, they have seventy; they're going to have seventy-six million dollars yeah. in cap room. It's beautiful. And I'm just telling you, I think that's a very, very attractive. Plus. They actually have some talent on defense on that team as yeah. well right now, and they've got the first overall pick. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel pretty good about Jacksonville. I I do too. I just worry about Balky. Like maybe they don't keep Balky. I don't know. But then again, I don't want to go in a situation where they're hiring a coach before they do the GM. I mean, yeah. But are, are all the are who do all, you Steve, are all these teams with coach openings also looking for GMs? Oh, no, so they're not. No, they're so, not. So therein lies the Bears' so, problem. The Bears, there's a lot of competition now with all those openings. We're looking at seven or eight openings. So back to the, do they hire a coach before they hire a GM? Uh, you know, that's what that scares me about that. Just, that's, but I still think the Bears is probably the preeminent job. Uh, big-time guys want big-time stages. I understand what you said about Jacksonville, Steve, but... Uh, you know the big time guys want to see they they want to be on the big stage and the bears are the bears and they're in a they're in a big market big city rabbit fan base uh, i think the most competitive coaches are going to want to be here well i i i don't know if i if i totally agree with that because the interesting thing there is now that the giants job is open the you know and you've got the coach and the general manager the bears don't have a first round pick and they've got some cap space. I mean, I think they're going to have like 40 million. Everyone's got, that's the other thing. There's going to be a lot of cap space out there because the cap is going up. So the, the bears are about in the middle of the pack, but now that the giants job is open and I understand that they've been the worst team in the NFL over the last five years. But if you did have the right general manager in there, you've got 
I think, some things to work with there, and that's also the big stage thing. I'll tell you where I don't want to go is, you know, you're talking about the front office thing, Trey. I wouldn't take that Denver job if it was the last job on earth. Same That whole... That thing is just crumbling. The team's going to be sold in the offseason. I, I, if I were them, I would have just retained Fangio so the next owner could have gotten rid of him. You know, you got the whole family arguing with each other over there. You know, I'm somewhat intrigued by the Miami job, but the owner is crazy. Um, Steven Ross and, you know, you win eight of the last nine games and fire the coach. That doesn't, you know, I mean, we don't know what was going on there. You know, again, the Raiders, I, I just don't know what to say about that. The Minnesota job, I don't think is a bad job either, except for the fact that next year, Kirk Cousins has a $45 million cap hit, the largest cap hit any player ever in one single year. So he's going to take up a quarter of the entire salary cap. So I don't know, at least for next year, I don't know what's going on with that. If if you're a young um, prospective head coach, wouldn't Minnesota be super intriguing if you want immediate success? Um, and maybe you don't plan on staying in Minnesota, but if you want to build your resume and have immediate success, I think Minnesota... Is that because you can win at least moderately yeah. with Cousins? At least you know what you're getting yourself? Yeah, that, that's the way I feel. I mean, I'm not saying that's the right decision, but I could see how a candidate might view it that way. Yeah, and again, I think to Phil's point, I think you have to look at which teams you know, are also going to hire a general manager. What's the synergy going to be there? Who are they going to hire? There's a whole bunch of GM candidates out there. Pretty much all of them we don't know because they're all kind of player personnel guys. And the only kind of name guy out there is probably you know Jeff Ireland, who is the Dolphins, you know, uh, yeah. GM, and he's now he's now the assistant GM in, in New Orleans, and he actually failed. So I, you know, I don't know if I want him. Um, but now, yeah, you've got like three or four GM openings as well. But you know, if I were going to rank the jobs, I don't know how I would rank them. But if I could have any job, as crazy as it may say, may seem, yeah, I agree with Phil on the Bears thing and that if you win here, you're going to be an icon. I mean, yep. there's absolutely no question. But you're also going to get run out of town really fast if you yep. don't. And it's a tough situation. Not a ton of cap space. You know, you've only got five draft picks next year. I think the amount of young talent, there are a few pieces, but fairly limited. The other thing is, too, even though they have cap space – Interestingly, if you study the Bears' cap situation, they actually have the fewest players under contract for next year. So meaning that they've got more people that they have to sign with the cap space that they have. I got to tell you, I think I go with Jacksonville. I think it's the most attractive job. I I think I'm with you on that, honestly. Phil, but, final thoughts on which job you would want? Well, I gave you my final thoughts. You know, and, and going back <laughs> to even what, what Trey said, you know, Minnesota, great job. And like Trey said, it's a good place where you can build a resume and move on. The thing about Chicago, you're successful here. You don't have to go anywhere. You're here for life. And you can make a lot of money here. Um, you can do a lot of side gigs. You're successful in Chicago, and uh, you're not going anywhere. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I agree. Um, although it's, it's going to be tough to do, and all I can say, uh, Bears fans, of which uh, you know Phil and I are too, hopefully the McCaskies will get lucky and hire the right person. And I'm not a real big user of the word lucky. They're going to need it. But that's what it's going to take in order for them to get what they want to get. You guys are big fans on the actual talent in Chicago, right, though? 
Not really. No. I mean, yeah, Justin, I mean, what do you think? Justin Fields. All right. So you start with the quarterback. I believe that Justin Fields is going to be a franchise quarterback, but the reality is you have to give him an incomplete this year. His numbers were terrible. He played 10 games. He got hurt a couple of times. He flashed really well certain times. Like He looked like he could get it done, but I don't think we've seen enough to be sure that he's going to be a franchise quarterback, but we're optimistic. You know, we've got Mooney, we've got a, you know, we got Roquan Smith. We got, you know, we've got a bunch of pieces, but I don't know that we have enough. I I just think that it's not even fair to um, grade Justin Fields at all. His body of work is not, he didn't have, he didn't get along. He didn't get to prove himself at all. Nagy's, Nagy's system is way too complicated for um, just any rookie but somebody coming out of college today, like a quarterback in college jumping in a naggy system, good luck, buddy. Like it's 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 doomed for disaster. It's not set up Nagy's, for success. Nagy's system is too is too complicated for Nagy. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. I mean, 100%. based on the result, all I know is we averaged you know eighteen points a game, so it didn't work. I'm very as long as we get the right coaching situation in there. I am very, very optimistic about Fields for the very reason that if you think that Mac Jones would have been successful as successful as he was, you know, in Jacksonville or in the Bears situation or, you know, whatever, he obviously wouldn't have. He was in a great situation. Yeah. He did his job, you know, obviously. Um, and Josh McDaniel did a great job with him. You know, I, it's just a great, it, it is a really good situation, but he would not have succeeded that way in a, some of these other places. Agreed. Let's take a look at these wild card games real quick, guys, before we, uh, before we wrap it up. Let's just take a quick run through the games and make some uh, make some picks. Take a look at the lines. See what you think. All right, start out with Raiders Bengals. I will uh, go first on this one. It is at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is giving five and a half, which is a fairly big number. You know, the Raiders have been playing better of late, and the Bengals. The problem with them is obviously they had that huge win a couple of weeks. That last week really doesn't mean anything as they rested everybody. They had that huge win against the Chiefs, put up a bunch of points. I think this is probably a game I would stay away from, but if you pushed me on it, I actually feel pretty good about the Bengals winning this game by a touchdown or more. What do you think about this game, Trey? Same. I, I think the Bengals steamroll the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders are playing with house money, but they're also going to come off of uh, yeah. you know a lull after a game like that, and they're just happy to be there sort of thing. The Bengals are a superior team. Yeah, and you know you got the weather factor, maybe you know outdoors, yeah, cold environment, that kind of thing. I mean, I'm a big sort of weather factor guy, but Phil, what do you think of that game, Raiders? Uh, well, Raiders, I, Bengals? you know, you talked about the big game the other day. The game before that game was probably one of the better football games they'd seen, also. And the Raiders, yeah. uh, you know, but I mean, being the Frisco uh, LA game, but yeah, I like the Raiders in this game. I uh, I think they're playing well. I think they're clicking at the right time. I would give the Raiders one piece of advice as we move to the next game, but one you probably want to cover Jamar Chase because <laughs> he seems to be pretty good, and I am guessing that Andy Reid is still thinking about him in his sleep as he's digesting his three dinners. All right, Patriots-Bills, I think it may be the most interesting game of the weekend. The Bills are minus four. And obviously the Patriots won that game at the Bills, the first game that they played with the three passes. But I'll tell you, I love the Patriots getting four in this game. Love it. What do you think? 100%. 
This is, to me, this is the best game on the slate, easily, without a doubt. Uh, and I think Belichick, let's say the weather's perfect. Guess what? Belichick's been here a thousand times. He's going to know what to do to keep this, like, within within three points. Like, that's, I feel like this is the one game that should come down to the wire. I'm in well, it. I would... On the total, this game is 43 and a half. And, you know, this is one of these things where you got to look at the weather. But, you know, it's one of those maybe morning, you know, bets of, you know, in the morning. But 43 and a half with both of these offenses, the over is fairly attractive to me in that game. Um, And by the way, you're talking to a guy who actually won the under of 52 and a half, 51 last night. Um, So I was pretty happy about that, although I did in a separate bet have Alabama. The over is somewhat attractive to me in that game as well. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the the, uh, total. Uh, it, again, like I would wait. This is I usually like to make my bets early because I tend to overthink everything. But this is definitely one game I want to wait until I see what the weather is actually going to do. And by the way, speaking of which, notice how uh, nobody's going on the COVID list this week before the playoffs. Isn't because, that interesting? Right. If you're sick, just pretend you're not. That's the new approach. All right, Eagles, Bucks. The Eagles are getting. Eight and a half at Tampa Bay. You know, and I have not looked at the Tampa Bay injury report. They've had a bunch of guys banged up. Obviously, Antonio Brown banged up in the head, so they're not going to have him either. What do you think about that game? That This game worries me. This is a game I would stay away from because, it, to me, it's a pretty big number, the eight and a half. You could certainly make the case that Tampa Bay will steamroll them. But, you know, Philly has looked pretty good the last few weeks. What do you think about that game, Trey? I have gotten – Philly has been, like, the worst team for me this whole year. I got one Philly game right this entire season. Like they've, if I bet on Philly, they, they screw me. And if I bet again, you know, it's just been a horrible thing. Um, I, man, the Bucks should steamroll them, but there's a part of me that's like stay away completely because I think Philly could make things interesting. I mean, especially if they keep running the ball like they have. Once they made that decision to start just actually running the ball. That changed everything for them. I think they keep it interesting. I'm staying away. Yeah, I I, I agree with you on staying away. Any uh, any strong opinion on Philly Bucks uh, with Philly getting eight, eight and a half? Phil? Uh yeah. The only opinion I got is I want to see another uh, I want to see another Bucks Packers matchup. So that's uh, <laughs> so so there, there's my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. Then we got 49ers and Dallas, and this is actually a very interesting game because the 49ers, again, they're one of those teams, been really up and down the whole year. They're hot right now. The Cowboys are pretty hot as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold bold move here. I think that as they usually are in the postseason, and I know that we say this all the time, this is finally the year when you know Dallas is gonna advance in the postseason. I think that they're a fraud, and I wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco actually beats them. And I'm not necessarily predicting it. I I think that this is a game that I might stay away from. I don't have a strong opinion on it. I do have a strong opinion on one of these next games that we're going to be talking about. But I don't know. Thoughts on this game, Trey? I think if the 49ers, surely they've been cooking some stuff up. Shanahan is no dummy at all. But if they stick with Garoppolo as the guy for the entire game plan, I think Cowboys take care of business fairly easily. However, 
if they've got certain ways to mix in Trey Lance. And in fact, I would go as far as to say if they started Trey Lance in this game, I might give them a good chance to actually defeat the Cowboys because it's hard to plan for two quarterbacks that are so different. And if they've got a package or multiple packages for Trey Lance, I think that actually causes problem for the Cowboys, makes an interesting game. But if it's just Garoppolo, I think the Cowboys take care of business. Yeah, it's a game. I think it's going to be a very entertaining game to watch. And sometimes the games that you think are the most entertaining to watch are the games that are the least interesting to bet on, meaning Georgia and Alabama last night, because you no idea who's going to win that game. Any strong opinions on uh, 49ers Cowboys? Uh, no, I like to, once again, after watching that game the other day, I, uh, I quickly became a. Uh, 49ers fan pretty quick. I thought Garoppolo had a great game, even though he's playing injured. Uh, he's kind of the uh, underdog guy you want to see succeed. At least I do. Uh, I like the way they played. I just uh, I like everything about Frisco right now. Chiefs Steelers. The Chiefs are giving twelve and a half. So it is a huge number for a playoff game. Just a huge number. My experience. My one of my rules in wagering is never bet on an underdog that you don't think could outright win the ball game. Mm. Meaning that is there a reasonable chance that that team could win the ball game? I think that that is highly unlikely in this spot that the Steelers are going to win the game. Although the chiefs have again become a little shaky the last couple of weeks. So I'm just telling you right here, I don't normally do this. I'm going to take the 12 and a half and go with the Steelers. I know you're biased and you don't like to necessarily yeah. think about these games, but that's a big number that I like a little bit. Pittsburgh's got a decent defense. You know, if you could put some pressure on Mahomes, get him to throw a couple of picks every game, he's either throwing picks or throwing these th- every game. There's been at least two throws where you're like, what the hell is this guy doing? Mm-hmm. So thoughts on that game? Uh, I think it comes down to uh, TJ Watt. Yeah, it, he either gets there or he doesn't. Um, I mean, it's it's a big spread for sure. I do think if all things play out the way they should, sure the Chiefs should be a two touchdown favorite in this team in this game. But that said, the Steelers plus you got the Big Ben magic, which sounds like BS, but it's not. I mean, people will rise to the occasion, like. This is our guy's last rodeo. People will rise to that occasion. At the same time, it's in Arrowhead. That's a super tough place to win regardless. And in the playoffs, it gets I've been to multiple Chiefs playoff games. It's you can't hear anything. Yeah. Uh, so I would probably me personally because of my known bias, I personally would stay away from this game because I would actually want to I would actually want to bet the Steelers just based on the spread. And it's so appetizing. But I try to stay away from that. Well, like I said, I don't like big number dogs, but I do like the Steelers a little bit in this game, even though you could actually argue that maybe they shouldn't even be a postseason team, but, you know, whatever. All right, so then the last game is uh, Cardinals-Rams. Once again, incredibly difficult game to predict. I mean, the Rams are up and down, you know, Stafford one week, you think he's the MVP. Then the next two weeks, you think he's like a complete piece of garbage. Um, you know, the Cardinals have been a little bit up and down. They probably shouldn't have won that game against Dallas a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I think I'm just, I think on this game, I think I probably will bet on this game, but 
I think I'm just going to give the four and take the Rams here. I just yeah. the the Cardinals. I just don't know that they're as good as their record is. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking the Rams in this game 100, percent which kind of breaks my heart because I really like what the Cardinals have going on, but you know, they got key studs missing in this game, and they've they hit their peak a month ago. You know, I mean, they're not they're not riding in on that upward swing. I'm I'm out. I was really hoping this would be the Cardinals' year, but I I don't think it is at all. And the Rams, they're getting people back instead of losing people. They're getting people back. I mean, Cam Akers is back, and yeah. you know maybe he's not a hundred percent healthy. But if he gives you anything, I mean, that's that's more than what the Cardinals are working with on offense. Speaking of uh, coming back, obviously we don't get to see him this week, and it worked out really well for the Titans getting the bye. Very interested to see the effectiveness of Derrick Henry um, in that in the following week, because even though their running game has actually been pretty good without him, um, it's going to be interesting to see that guy back at 100%, because apparently he is 100%. He could have played last week, and they decided not to play. God, I love Derrick Henry, man. I love him. <laughs> There's very few running backs that really make a difference, and he is definitely one of them. Yeah. All right, well, uh, Phil and uh, Trey, we are running out of time here um, in uh, Cigars and Sports Chicago Episode 7. Um, that is going to be a wrap. So uh, thank you very much for joining us, Trey Mack from Eladino Cigar. It's been great having you. We, uh, we really appreciate it. You guys are a blast. I love being on the show. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks, as always, Phil. Uh, thanks again to our producer, Bear. No, he is in no way related to the Chicago Bears. Um, but that's all we have. So Episode 7, uh, come back and see us again next week for Episode 8. And we will be uh, recapping these games that we just talked about. And hopefully the Bears will have either a coach, a GM. If they have one, hopefully it'll be a GM. They'll have a coach, a GM, or both by next week. So thanks a lot. Appreciate you joining and uh, listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Sweet blossom, come on, under the willow. We can have high times if you look back. We can discover the wonders of nature. Growing in the brushes down by the riverside.